0: The following podcast was recorded on Tuesday, July 27th, 2021, featuring Ben Breitholtz of Arbor Data Science. To hear the podcast in real time, you can sign up for a free trial at arborresearch.com or by emailing Gus Handler directly at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. You can also call Arbor Research and Trading at 1-800-606-1872. Thanks for your time and enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone to Talking Data. I'm your host, Kristen Radish of Arbor Research and Trading. Joined today by Ben Breitholtz of Arbor Data Science. Ben, thanks for joining us. Today we're gonna be talking about the apartment market, which is being described as the tightest on record. We're gonna start out today with one of your charts on expectations for 2.5% headline CPI.
1: Yes. So we've dubbed this the summer of confusion, uh, which I think is where the bond market is. I've gotten kind of sick of the story. The bond market sees, it doesn't see inflation. You know, I think really the bond market has been on the fence and uh, nothing shows us better than this chart here. Focus in on the 10 year, which is in uh, the lovely pink color. Uh, We see that there's currently a 51 percent probability that headline CPI runs or averages above two and a half percent for the next 10 years. So really, they're giving it a 50-50 shot, and we need to run above two and a half percent on a headline basis in order to keep core above two percent and allow this regime shift uh, higher, which really hasn't happened since the 1970s. Every time we've had a recession or a slowdown, core inflation continues to stair step lower and lower and lower. Uh, so we'll see if that's going to be the case. And what we've been kind of talking about mostly is that we're having we're in this transition phase right now. And that's a transition from all of the supply chain induced consu- also on the consumer demand side for goods with the shortages, all these prices that have essentially surged from used cars to airfares, car rentals, and so on, uh, even a little bit in crude oil, thanks to base effects. That is all very likely going to come to an end and already is, Uh, but that'll transition us now to really uh, being concerned about bigger weighted items, which would be like rents and then also wages. Uh, So we're gonna have this slowdown, no matter how you look at it. If you look at, for example, headline PCE, and we still account for $100 crude oil a year from now, I mean, it just keeps going higher uh, moderately we would still see PCE, all things being equal, drop to around two to two and a quarter percent, which isn't that scary. Uh, but we, th- we have a strong feeling these rents, which we'll get into here, are going to be stronger than many realize, and it will help buoy core inflation and potentially give us that maybe a narrow regime shift higher after this uh, recession, this, this two month long recession.
0: So the first chart we're going to look at on the apartment market is really rents. How high are they going to go, and how long do you think this will last?
1: Yeah, great question. So what we um, are able to garner from surveys, and this in this case it comes from the National Multifamily Housing Council (NMHC), uh, their surveys done quarterly and they have two questions there's more than that the two questions are focusing on have to do with sales volume as well as the overall tightness in the market which means that there's a high level occupancy it's tough to find departments um, that tightness uh, survey response is the highest on record historically and typically when you do get a, a, a situation where occupancies are really high sales volume are moving quickly it, it does endure typically for somewhere around two years or almost two years meaning that this current episode is just kind of beginning um, and the hope is that we can get more apartment buildings um, out there and allow you know the would-be renters to find you know easily find these these rentals now of course they're getting them at higher costs unfortunately.
0: So next, we've got a chart on occupancy, and when do you think this new supply will be in play?
1: See, that's what is hard, very hard to gauge. So according to RealPage, this shows all the occupancies, which are sky high. Uh, A lot of smaller metros are having big problems. They don't have the infrastructure or the spending or the money coming in to produce or create these new apartment complexes uh, or housing. Um, So the larger ones, I think there's a little bit better on the occupancy front, but not much. And uh, the understanding is from RealPage that the amount of new buildings that are coming, uh, you know, will be available on the pipeline here in 2021 should exceed 2020, which is somewhat promising but they've seen their own delays just like the housing market it's hard to find stuff lumber um, copper it's expensive and so there's been delays uh, again in the apartment space which is just kind of unfortunately uh, fueling these higher rents
0: and Ben, what's the difference between collected rents and asking rents
1: so within the rent um, estimate I guess, uh, arena, there's a very different ways of measuring uh, rents. So again, you know, collected is going to be, you know, how much are they actually getting for an apartment versus asking, which is something like Zillow covers, which is how much are they listed for? And so apartment list and Zillow offer the two kind of easiest to grab data sources for rents. And here we have a nice little moving chart uh, that shows over time through, I believe, uh, June of this year, the change in rents from apartment list, uh, which we look at on a year-over-year basis here to make it apples-to-apples to to Zillow. So just like you said, we have on the y-axis essentially the collected rents. Uh, versus Zillow, which are going to be the um, the asking rents. And you'll notice that Zillow is moving much slower. Uh, they do a heavy amount of smoothing to their actual rent data. Um, for instance, they take the mean of the 40th to 60th percentile for each metro. Uh, so you're kind of cutting out the the outsides, the tails. Apartment list seems to believe that apartment prices move a lot faster than people realize, um, and their data shows kind of some explosive growth. For example, Boise, which is a huge standout, somewhere around 30 to 35% year-over-year growth, which is just eye-popping.
0: And how about changes in rent estimates? What's your forecast?
1: So using, what we can do is we can take apartment list and we can take Zillow data. And we have to do some work here. It's not as simple as just looking at the, you know, the, the all Metro average. So with Zillow, um, we can create a more of an apples to apples comparison to OER, um, just because of the heavy degree of smoothing. You gotta remember OER is incredibly smooth on its own. Um, they do work in panels. So you essentially have, you know, uh, January to July, February to August, and they only record Uh, The rents for these 30 plus thousand units that they track. Um, you know, once uh, twice a year, so you get these kind of big nasty lags, and there's a heavy degree of smoothing in there. Uh, so to bring apartment lists back to the same space as Zillow and the BLS's OER, we essentially take the mean of the 40th to 60th percentile as well, um, and that's how we end up with these figures here. So you see that OER right now, uh, average across 23 metros that the BLS really covers closely, uh, is right around two and a half percent versus. Zillow that shows somewhere around 4.8% and then you have apartment list uh, which is kind of sky high at 11% and of course that is much faster moving but on the next chart uh, what we've done is essentially done all this smoothing um, and then also lagged it uh, by six months so here I'm doing some heavier uh, smoothing on apartment list. Bringing Zillow into the same, uh, you know, same space as OER, um, and what it essentially projects is somewhere between 4.8% and 6.3% OER of residents of residences rent of residences uh, year over year by year end, which would be a, a big additive to core inflation. So if you kind of look at core inflation, it's you know somewhere around 25, 30% of it is OER. Uh, that means that we should have somewhere between 1.1 to maybe 1.5% added to core inflation, which will counteract these base effects, not base effects, but they will somewhat, some of the base effects, but mainly the rolling over of the supply chain induced price surges. Uh, so we're gonna, again, it's gonna be this transition. And I think that's why a lot of our research keeps saying that uh, tips break-evens, treasury yield, nominal yields, commodities during this transition phase are going to be sideways, painfully, boringly sideways uh, Mm -hmm. throughout the summer months and in early fall. And even if you do look back historically at all global economic recoveries since 1960 and look at these again yields, tips break-evens, and commodities, at this point in a re- global recovery, that's exactly what happens almost almost every time you get these range bound markets, everything kind of is playing catch up. And in this case, the storyline that I'm kind of working with the most, again, is this transition from uh, transitory forces to rents and wages going forward.
0: Well, Ben, we always like to take a look at consumer search activity, and we've got a couple charts to end our discussion today. Uh, First, with the rental search activity, and we saw a little bit of a strong start to the year, and it seems as if we've retreated some. Uh, What can you tell us?
1: Yeah, so we saw just like a lot of the consumer spending data that we were tracking so closely, that peaked somewhere towards the end of March, very similar with the I guess the gusto for finding a new rental or new abode to live in. Um, And so rents, yeah, took off not surprisingly after vaccines really hit arms heavily beginning in January. We also did get two rounds of fiscal stimulus in January and March, and that kind of opened up, uh, you know, uh, pocketbooks and also people getting out to see apartments and then beginning to rent again with the uh, I guess the end of that fiscal stimulus kind of rolling off as well as now the Delta variant, we saw a retreat in consumer spending. So sure there's more, more issues, more um, inputs to that, but just focusing on those two, we have seen a, a bit of a slowdown. Fortunately, uh, many spaces, many metros, these 23 that the BLS covers closely, are beginning to rebound as we get towards the tail end of the, of the summer. Uh, so we expect there to be still be some inertia behind the apartment rental market um, that should help take uh, OER you know that much higher. And one thing I want to say um, totally total tangent here for you Kristen is the uh, um, is one misconception that I think is worth discussing really quickly is that, there's a lot of talk that the how OER is calculated um and that misconception is that it's not the result of the the famous question people know which i think is somewhere along the lines of you know if you had to rent your house today how much could you rent it for you know excluding utilities and other expenses that it, seems to lend itself to some subjectivity. And so there's fear that homeowners are going to be dictating, um, you know, the cost of, you know, of rent um, and, and and OER, but that's simply just used for the weighting. So the CES, that survey is used to create the weighting for OER within the basket of of goods uh, and services. It's not used to determine the actual prices of apartments. So, unfor- you know, what Unfortunately, there's a group of people that have to do the painstaking process of going out to all these apartments, 30,000 plus them, and getting the actual rental prices um, that are collected. So that's where OER comes from, not from that question. Um, And so I think there'll be less subjectivity built into it than than people think. Um, And I think that it will track quite well with the, the apartment list and Zillow data that we had shown. So sorry back to the housing market then on the next no,
0: slide. No, thank you. thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I think that's important. Yeah. And next we're gonna move into that housing search activity and how have um, rising costs, as you men- mentioned, the cost of building materials, how's that factored in?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen a sudden stop and it, it's both on the consumer side there's incredible apprehension to prices, to elevated prices, you know, we have existing home sales, well over 350,000 on median uh, which is just exceptional, the highest you know on record. And the University of Michigan Consumer Survey shows that it is the worst time to buy based on price a new home. And that goes also for just about for large durable goods as well as vehicles. And so really across the board, uh, from you know probably you know 70, 80 percent of metros that we're covering here have search activity falling for all aspects of the home purchase process, from finding a real estate agent to closing costs um and again that could be further fuel for the rental market depending on how fast rental prices move uh, you know that that balance or i guess that uh, decision and that that would be renters or buyers have to make um maybe becomes easier if the housing market does seem overinflated, and they want to rent to wait it out or they just find it to be a cheaper option um so kind of these these poor search results or interest in housing may be a boon somewhat for the rental market and so again just to kind of wrap that up the storyline here is that we're going to transition from these transitory factors to oer that could rise somewhere you know 4.8 to almost six and a half percent Um, on a year-over-year basis into year-end, which could be a big boost as much as one and a half percent to core inflation. Um, Fannie Mae's got a similar study. Uh, They add even more, but they kind of look more into the end of 2022 for that storyline. I think things could move a little bit faster than people realize. Um, And what I'm mostly ready for is for bond investors to continue to kind of cross their eyes and be confused about everything and anything that's happening this summer, Um, you know, with two moving parts that are kind of going in the opposite direction. Um, So we'll see.
0: Well, thank you, Ben, for your thoughts today. And thank you everyone for joining us. As a reminder, Arbor Research and Trading is an institutional research and brokerage firm. Our two most prominent offerings are Bianco Research and Arbor Data Science. For any questions, please contact Gus Handler at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. Have a great day.